everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Street Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Okay, so we're up to episode 17 here total, and we're on to who, uh, week one of our four-part series on uh, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the light. And I uh, wanted to get started off here on a, on a high note. I'll be honest with you, this has been, you know, we talked about uh, in recent episodes about uh, feeling attacked. You know, we're starting to gain momentum here with the podcast and getting more and more listeners and Honestly, I've never felt uh, more spiritually attacked in my life. Um, have had a lot going on in personal life, had a lot going on in a professional light. And uh, literally, this is Wednesday morning at like four in the morning. And we're trying to record a episode here, but that's only because the schedule for Monday was completely kiboshed. The schedule for Tuesday was completely kiboshed. And now here we are. So the Lord has given us some time here and we're going to make this thing happen. Uh, so, you know, we decided we want to do a four-part series on uh, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the light, and started thinking about it, and I got to, you know, looking at Jesus' ministry and breaking everything down into a four-part series, and, you know, Jesus' ministry was approximately three years long on this earth, and uh, kind of the beginning where everyone agrees with the beginning of Jesus' ministry is when he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And uh, what was the first thing he did at that point? Uh, Literally, the first thing it says is that um, two of the disciples of John decided to follow Jesus. So basically, the very first thing that Jesus did in his ministry was started collecting disciples. And it made me, uh, really, as I was doing my prayer and and thought process for for this sermon series, uh, the, the word disciples stuck with me. So... My, my time, my past in the military has taught me uh, a little bit about investigations. Investigations, you have to not only go after all the, the who, what, where, why, how of a situation, but you also have to do something we call pull the string. You have to keep pulling, you have to keep pulling until you get to the, the real truth of the matter. So I started thinking about why, why did Jesus need disciples? The first thing that hit me, he's almighty, all-powerful God. There's nothing that he couldn't do uh, on this earth on his own. Why would he need disciples? So I started to deep dive into the actual disciples themselves, right? The 12 disciples. And I'm not going to sit here and rattle them all off to you. We all know um, the majority of them. But that being said, um, I started to look into each one of them, right? And what I noticed is not only were... um, they different people, they had different occupations, they had different temperaments. Um, we can go on and on and on about that. So let's talk about let's talk about my man Peter for a minute. Um, Peter, probably the most famous of the twelve disciples, uh, is always the first one spoken about in the scriptures. Multiple stories being told. You, Peter was a fisherman. Um, with with Peter, uh, there's a theme. There's a theme with Peter that, uh, you know, he he messed up a bunch. He was as eager. He wanted, I mean, he was the essentially the leader of the disciples, but he, he messed up time and time again. You know, he's the one that tried to walk on water with Jesus and wound up falling because he took his eyes off of Jesus. He's the one that um, when they came to arrest Jesus, he wound up pulling out his sword and lopping off a, uh, someone's ear trying to defend Jesus, you know, uh, time and time again, just mess up after mess up. You know, he swore that he would never 
leave God. And, and Jesus told him right then and there that before the night's out, you're going to deny me three times, you know, and it, and it happened. He did it. Um, so series and series of testaments of, of him being a failure for lack of a better term. Um, you look at, uh, someone like Matthew, who was a tax collector or someone like, um, Simon, Simon, the zealot who, uh, I had to actually do some research to figure out what, you know, what zealot meant. It wound up, he was like a political, a political dissident at the time. Like he was someone that I was outspoken against the Roman government. And there's all these different occupations and, you know, thought processes and ideas behind these people that make them all different and, and all still failing in their ways is very, very confusing to me. And I kept digging, why, why, why would we need examples of this? But then as I, as I continued to dig and pray in the scripture, I realized that that's no different than most of our major characters in the Old Testament, right? I mean, you can, you can go through, you name a character, I can tell you something that they were flawed at. So uh, Abraham, you know, Abraham, the, the, the father of the, of the Jewish people, lied about his wife twice to try to, you know, get, get over on people or to stay safe or whatever. But he, he was a, he was a liar. Uh, Noah was a drunk. Uh, you have, uh, Moses had a, a stuttering problem and, and, and Moses wound up never even being able to make it into the promised land. Um, David, a man after God's own heart. David was still wound up being in a, uh, adulterer and uh, set up someone's death to try to hide it. That's some Don Corleone type stuff right there. And that's supposed to be a man after God's own heart. We have, we have examples and examples uh, in the Old Testament of failures. People that, you know, they, they did great things. Don't get me wrong. They, King Solomon, Solomon's temple, all this godly wisdom that God asked for, he wound up being, a, by the end of his life, being con, um, tainted by foreign wives and uh, worshiping false gods. So the, the great things happen, but we still end in failure. We end in human, human failure. And we even see that with the disciples during Jesus's life, right? A good example where uh, he took his inner circle with him to pray in the garden before, um, before his crucifixion, you know, would, would come the next day. And all he asked them to do was to pray. And what do they do? They fell asleep. You know, classic examples of we cannot do, we're destined to fail on our own. It's just absolutely wild. Um, so I didn't, I still hadn't seen the difference as I was digging, I was digging, I was digging. And then it hit me. What happened after Jesus's death and resurrection? What happened to the disciples then? And yes, they, they did flee <laughs> with the exception of John. They did flee. Uh, during the actual persecution and crucifixion. But then they came back and did exactly what Jesus asked them to do after. After. And then, you know, these same people that were failures, the same people that were failures wound up being the rock in which the church was built. You know, Jesus said that, Peter, you're going to be the rock in which my church is built. Um, the, in the book of Revelation, I believe it's Revelation 21, 9 or 19. I'd, I'd have to look. Um, but it talks about the 12 
12 precious stones laid in the new wall of Jerusalem. You know, these people were designed to be the building blocks on which God's church was built. So what makes the difference? What makes the difference between before and after? And what I came up with was Jesus's death and resurrection was that perfect blood sacrifice for our sins. It's a, the 12 disciples were vital because they we needed to be able to see. We needed to be able to see what can change in a person after they accept that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and the perfect sacrifice has been paid. You know, he's not one of the original disciples. <laughs> I, I normally do a good job of... Uh, making sure those notifications don't come on anymore since the last time, but apparently 4 o'clock in the morning you missed that, so I apologize, everybody. We have, uh, we just got done talking about the Apostle Paul in a four-part series, and though he is not, he is not one of the 12 disciples, you know, we still, he's about as close as you can get, right? So, yeah. He saw, he saw Jesus too, and he's a perfect example of this about what happens before and after your interactions with uh, Jesus Christ. So Paul was a tent maker. He was a Pharisee. Um, so, you know, educated in the Jewish law, but he, he was a tradesman. He, he made tents. That was his job. And after his interactions with Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, after Christ revealing himself to him is better better way to say it. Um, and Christ, uh, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, going on, this same man uh, talks about his time in Athens where he would sit and debate with the great Stoic philosophers of, of the day. These are the greatest thinkers in the free world, you know, or in Western civilization at the time. Uh, and they, and he not only sat there and debated them with the scripture, but it says that he held his own and they, they left feeling respected from him. Uh, I, I think about that in today's terms, right? I think about that. That would be if you, if you took a, uh, a random plumber from a construction site and took him into Harvard and put him on a debate stage, and uh, had a debate, and uh, you know, scholars from Harvard at the end of the day felt like, well, this, this guy taught us something. You know, this guy held his own. Very interesting. That, when you look at it from that perspective, like it's mind-boggling what the Apostle Paul was able to do. But it wasn't of him. It wasn't him. He was a tent maker. He was a Pharisee. You know, it was what was renewed in him through the Holy Spirit. And uh, you could say the same thing with Peter, or, <coughs> excuse me, um, you could say the same thing with uh, Peter or Matthew or any of the other apostles that, that went and preached the word, and uh, many of them becoming martyrs um, for, the, for the good of the church. You know, and even in the, in the idea, if you looked at the majority, I think all, all of them, but John wound up dying for their faith. Them, you know, how how is that a, su a success? Well, 
They were the building block for what God called us to do. They literally, I, I looked up the other day, as of 2015, they were estimated 2.4 billion Christians on this earth. That started off with Jesus and these 12. Jesus was the, the teacher. He taught them, showed them the way. They were the building blocks for 2.4 billion people. That was as of 2015. So now at 2020, we're probably, you know, probably closer to three. Um, and it's impressive that through all that, that these guys are, these guys are an example for, for us. That is like the, the ultimate why what I came through through this investigation was that we needed examples to show us what that blood sacrifice of Jesus did for us. It shows us that we can do all things through Christ, right? Through the Holy Spirit. There's not... There's, there's lots of value from the Old Testament. There's lots of value from those things. But we needed someone, we needed men to be able to see how we could connect and what we're capable of through the Holy Spirit. We needed that. God, God knew we needed examples. We needed things to see. The, you, can, you can love Jesus. You can worship Jesus. You can believe everything that happened with Jesus, but the relatability of you to Jesus is disconnected because he's the son of God and you're just a man. Being able to see the disciples and their change through gives us that example. This is this hasn't been an easy easy week for me. The, like I said, the the attacks have been coming, and uh, they've they've worn me down some. I gotta be honest. I told I told a friend last night. I'm like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Uh, but I find myself in a renewed sense here that I saw. I have these twelve examples. These twelve examples of of people that when when they're in their earthly flesh. They fail time and time again, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, they find a way to do exactly what they needed to do, the impossible at the time, to spread the love of Christ across the earth. You know, um, those examples helped renew me. They were the reason I was able to wake up at 4 a.m. to do this podcast. They were the reason why I'm here with you now. There's a reason why I'm going to keep being here with you despite the attacks, despite the tribulations, and to know that I have peace, knowing that Christ died for me and that everything's going to be okay no matter what. I know that we're going to do great things here, and I'm so thankful for the for the growth we're having in the podcast. It's absolutely amazing. But those examples are so important to us, so important to us. I want to... Before we end this, I want to talk about one one example that the naysayers, the, the people that want to argue against this message may may talk about. They may want to talk about uh, Judas. And Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Most people say, how can you get anything from Judas? 
And uh, I would argue he is not a shining example of a positive light of what you want to take from the Gospels. But I will say that he was 100% necessary and the ultimate example of Jesus showing us that good can come out of even the darkest days because without Judas's betrayal, Jesus would have never been that perfect blood sacrifice for us because he wouldn't have been crucified. So when you feel like you're in a, in a dark spot, even when you feel like you're failing, know that all things can come back for the glory of God. And that is a very powerful message and necessity that makes even, even Judas's story as bad as, uh, it is still valuable to us in the situations that we're in. Um, so, you know, I appreciate everyone uh, sitting with me through this, and I hope they do see the same things that I see with these 12 disciples and the power that comes from their testimony that we can read time and time again when we suffer. So let's go ahead and end this bad boy in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this time we have today. I hope this message gets to whoever needs to hear it, Lord. I hope that it touches some hearts and saves some souls, Lord. I hope that we can continue to, to do what we're doing through this ministry, continue to touch hearts and change lives. Lord, I pray that anyone who also feels under attack, Lord, knows that you're with them and that you're never going to leave them, that you're never going to forsake them, and that there will be better days ahead. Lord, I pray that you can do everything that you wish for our lives through our lives, Lord. And I pray that we find strength in you enough to help accomplish these things. It is in Jesus' almighty and all-powerful name I pray. Amen. <laughs>